Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. This is about the time of year when I actually, you know, like any good fantasy owner, decide to start paying attention to the real baseball standings as well. You know, it's, it's all just been sort of uh, individual stats up to this point. And I noticed now, officially, Twins at a 43% chance to be 100% crushed in the wild card by the Yankees. <laughs> nice. I kind of think of looking at the standings before September as like looking at your horoscope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like well, whatever you know yeah it's like look, going to professor trelawney and being like looking into a crystal ball it's it just doesn't really matter they, they both have just about as much bearing on what's happening for sure yeah especially though now it's just the grim is all i see when i see the boston red sox um <laughs> in, in the standings I, I i see the yankees like lurking and it's scaring me something is up it's it's not not a good place for you guys uh, the last th- the last thing that I'll say about the Twins is that they they are just fighting so hard to get to that positive run differential on the year. They're gonna do it sometime soon. Yeah, negative ten. It's like <laughs> it's like almost playoff playoff team can sneak in. We both know that they're falling ass backwards into any sort of success. So oh yeah, they're not supposed to be good this year. So that's why they're being good. That's exactly right. But speaking of supposed to be good and is good. Bojack Horseman. Uh, I just, I you've, I, I think that you've highlighted this, but the theme song just coming back into my life is just so awesome. So I put this in there because if you happen to accidentally start it with subtitles on, like I did, what they call it is funky electronic music. Yeah, I, I've noticed that too. I don't know if that's how I qualify it. I know the first time it popped up, I was like, hmm, is that? I don't know. Maybe kind of works. Anyway, enjoyed some of the innocuous political banter. You and I joked that uh, maybe this is the way that politics accidentally creeps into our pod. And uh, you might not be wrong, Mr. Peanut Butter, running for election. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, it was so over. It was it was great. It was Absolutely. perfect. All right, let's run down a few of these favorite lines. We'll see, what, we'll see which ones make it. Uh, just in no particular order, we can we, we can go through any list here. Uh, I never developed a signature. I find them ostentatious. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm not even the the next one was pretty good in the in the hardware store. <laughs> I heard people poop their pants when they die. I just read Romeo and Juliet. That totally changes things. <laughs> I, I never thought about it. And it really does. Wow, <laughs> so, that room must have smelled. That is that is quite the change. Um, I texted you about this, and you had a pretty good response. You told me what that you told me that's what your name is, Hambone Fake Namington. And your response was, of course, that that's going to appear on several Starbucks cups in the near future. Oh my gosh, I I am so excited to use that. <laughs> <laughs> and your name is Hambone Fake Namington. <laughs> and then I really liked uh, when um, 
when the uh, grandmother <laughs> had uh, her surgery. <laughs> just the end of it. I have half a brain. Boom. Stop. <laughs> done. <Just> done. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. That was that was so good. Such a good cut. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Huge I'm fan. So glad Bojack is back in my life. It's so glad. The thing about Bojack though is like I could probably watch each episode three times in a row and a still pick up new stuff. B not remember the entire plot of an episode. <laughs> I completely agree. There's so many things that happen in them. So. Uh, but this week, in the meantime, we are actually going to discuss some fantasy baseball. Eric is going to look at playoff bestardo candidates, reprising some of our favorite strategic points. And then I'm going to touch, just dip our toes in the water of game theory, offer a quick primer, a quick example, and see what we think about this vast, untapped store of knowledge. So take it away, Eric. Well, Mike, we're 22 weeks through the fantasy season about you know um that means that fantasy playoffs are here for a a lot of a lot of people who are conventional (laughs) unlike our league one of the reasons why we don't have playoffs at this time or uh, don't start our playoffs so late in the season is because this is a difficult time um in baseball i'm just going to list off a couple things rosters are expanding all of a sudden, we're um, we have more players to think about. Um, a lot of players are getting shelved for um, for the playoffs mm-hmm. for next year because the team stinks for the playoffs because they're good <laughs> or for inning caps just because it's a young kid who just needs to um, get reined in so he doesn't blow out his arm. Um, and then also there are the kind of the final stretch oddities. Uh, guys just generally hitting their physical limits and breaking down that that's happening guys hitting their stride against watered down <laughs> opposition it's amazing those second half players who really come on here in the last month and then also just all the players from the minors who are um you know at a good time to bring up because they can still be rookie eligible next year if they come up and with the expanded rosters so this is a weird time in fantasy do you think do you think of it that way? Oh, I think of it as a super weird time. This is a it's a hard time to handle. You know, like you said, the miners influx requires a huge amount of expanded scouting. You know, really want to understand maybe what's going on with these guys. See who, especially if you're if you have important hitters going up in pitching matchups. Like I don't know what to expect from a bunch of these pitchers. Oh yeah, and you know the injuries on some level are straightforward. Like oh, okay, that guy's out or that guy's shut down. Now I have to go find another option. But thinking about evaluating the options and who guys are going to be facing what the matchups are actually going to be that's really challenging right now oh yeah and it's really hard especially to tell what the teams these players are on are thinking and what they're trying to decide because you know someone like Molitor like it looks like he's trying to throw every game when he goes to the bullpen but there are a lot of there are a lot of teams that are just like I'm you know we're gonna let that we're gonna let Blake Snell go that extra two innings, like because why not? <laughs> well, to be fair, the Rays were doing that early on in the year, but <laughs> still doing it. MP, we have received a request for help from one of our loyal listeners. Uh, let this remind everyone that we are happy to respond to specific questions and requests as they arise. Last time we had a direct question. Recall the Panetta Colada episode. I think that was a 1.21. 
um, we talked about some good replacement guys for Michael Pineda and circled around Luis Castillo and Patrick Corbin. The problem with both these players, Luis Castillo is hitting that innings limit, and he's done, done for the year, basically. And then Patrick Corbin is um, getting tired because he's been fighting injuries for the last his entire career <laughs> and hasn't that he has and um and so i think that we're you're bound to see a couple of down games with him the question i guess that's part of the question that we're going to want to answer here in a little bit is um you know do you keep keep him going do you keep trotting him out there uh you know i i'm gonna go with yes you know until you see clear signs on the pitching side, I think I'm a little bit le- I think I'm a little bit more sympathetic. I try to go until there are clear signs that something is is totally different. On the hitting side, I'm a little less generous. If a guy's not getting it done at the plate right now, I want them I want them out. But the pitchers, at least you know, you know when they're going out for an outing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you can yeah, and the, you can decide game day whether you start them or not. I should probably put a bet box in here. There, I, I'm gonna this give is, two. You know how it's gonna be two on. You know that you're, you do not do well on your Arizona Diamondbacks pitching bet boxes. So I am all about taking. I, this. I gotta make it up somehow. <laughs> all right, uh, Patrick Corbin. Well, okay, Patrick Corbin. Over under mm, four ERA rest of the year. Well, he's done with color. He's done at Colorado, mm-hmm. so that helps. Yep. I I'm gonna go with under. Okay, come on, easy, easy under. All right. So then the the bet is that you're you're betting that he is. I'm betting that he's not gonna standard for ERA. Okay. Second bet here. This is almost the more the more important piece. Standard deviation. I'll give you one point one. Fine, fine. All right, okay, okay. All right, so two two victories finally in the Arizona Diamondbacks. So you say. All right. Anyways, back to the the question. This time was simple. How does this player, the person that asked for help, um, prepare for the playoffs? Considering he wants to prepare for his next opponent, he has a one week bye. And his rotation fell apart down the stretch. Now, we've actually covered part of that because he has Patrick Corbin. So, you want me to just run through the players that he, he, he tried it out his last week of the season? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, do it. He had Bartolo Colon, Ivan Nova, Ken Giles, Felipe Rivero, Archie Bradley, Hector Neris, Matt Albers, Blake Parker, Ismero Petit, Edwin Jackson, oof, Patrick Corbin, Corey Kluber, good job there. And well, that's it for the guys that he's he's still got on this roster. What I just like? How did this team make it this far? Uh, <laughs> Honestly, he's got one workable closer right now, and Felipe Rivero is good. He is not good. Do not get out of here with that. Felipe, Felipe Rivero is fine. Better than Fernando Rodney. Uh, so is Archie Bradley, but <laughs> Fernando Rodney is closing over him now, isn't he? <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> so I mean, if you're if you're looking for ratios, I I mean I love I love Archie Bradley. I like Felipe Rivero in that case too. I like Ken Giles in that case for that matter. Um, I mean, what 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 do I like about this? Um, if if I if I was told you have to play this roster, what do you do? I mean this this roster says stream right to me you have to stream and so i mean basically nobody on this there's very there's i don't know two or three guys in the star on the starting pitching side that aren't droppable and then everybody else i would rotate hard two or three i i see one guy who i wouldn't who i wouldn't drop i wouldn't stream corbin i mean unless unless it's super shallow so all right, so that's fair. So we've already kind of discussed Corbin. So I see there are only six guys I'd want in my matchup the week after this one, and that's Ken Giles, Felipe Rivero, Archie Bradley, Hector Neris, Blake Parker, and Corey Kluber. I would trade out. Well, I would. I'm. I. I. I don't hate you keeping Blake Parker, but if push came, I think if I was doing from a top-down ranking, I would rank Corbin over Parker for total value. Okay, so let's keep Corbin in there, because I think that we want to have the really... Uh, the number one suggestion for this is that we're going to go Bastardo with a couple of mm. with a couple mm-hmm. of starting pitchers, and we can either stream those or um, work that with Corbin and Kluber, I think. I mean, for me, you should always build your pitching staff to what the supreme strengths of your top end are. And Kluber, is, you know, Kluber gives you a, a huge baseline, but he's clearly geared at getting a ton of Ks. You know, he's not only a low ERA whip guy, so you should be fighting to increase your Ks as much as possible while keeping your ratios manageable on this roster is what I would do. Yeah, and I guess we should get a little bit into that because... Um... I took a look at his uh, perspective opponents. Um, you know, the guys who are playing it out this week, number four and number five, very mm-hmm. different teams. So one is a traditional team, great on strikeouts, three legitimate closers, but no true ace. So he's kind of just like, he's stacking up the Ks by just having a ton of starts. So love it very typical (laughs) yeah (laughs) you love it um the other guy going with a skeleton crew here he's got all of his pitchers are kind of decent depending on how you feel about zach davies and they can all give wins and they've all got k's he's got you darvish he's got smarja to just give you a sense of things so it doesn't really feel like k's is the way to go here so why not go that ERA and rip, whip route, why not go with a Bastardo strategy? So I've taken a look here at, at just Bastardos who are who are out there right now, and um, there are a lot of really good ones who are available these days. So I'm going to list some guys who are available, and then just for whoever else is out there, some guys who are not in this league specifically. So Ryan Madsen out there, Washington Nationals, He's always been a good pitcher. Um, he's might get a save or two just because he's that team gets so many wins. They might be trying to rest, do yeah. a, little, a little bit, so might be good good play. Drew Stenrider, have you ever heard of this guy? He is he's tearing it up for he's 
Miami, I believe, right now. Isn't it Steckenrider? Is it Steckenrider? Did I um, not? I think you missed a syllable in there. Yes, yes, I did. It is Steckenrider. And then we've got Anthony Swarzak, Milwaukee Brewer, and then Josh Hader. So those are, I would say those are four guys to pick up, depending on how many Bistaros you want to go. I would say you want to have two starting pitchers. And then fill this with, fill this with Bastardos. Yeah, the thing the thing that you should mention is that um, this roster, the the this um, league construction is very conducive to it because you have a bunch of open pitching slots mm-hmm. instead of earmarked starting pitcher slots. Yeah. So in some leagues, our league, for instance, uh, there's it's only earmarked for starting pitchers, relief pitchers. This league has a ton of play to dump all of the starting pitching eligibility guys yeah exactly and just grab as many relievers as you possibly can yeah so you should have you should be able to have a relief pitcher in every single slot on the two days on on the two starts or whenever you know maybe kluber gets two starts next week i have no idea um but there should be a relief pitcher in every single slot when there's not a starting pitcher in Mm mm-hmm I know you were worried because we went through an entire half without mentioning Eric's favorite player, so don't worry, I snuck it into the outtake. Quite a wide field of auditions for that fifth keeper slot this year. How do you think I got Whit Merrifield playing that hard? Just keep it, <laughs> keep the carrot in front of him, they'll keep going. Uh, what is this? Is this the third or the fourth week that we've mentioned him in a row? I don't know if it'll get cut or not. <laughs> no, it's not going to get cut, I'm leaving it. I was looking at 538 the other day, as I often do, when I came across a thoroughly depressing article <laughs> analyzing the chances of nuclear war using game theory. Lovely. Now, the game theory aspect of the article, at least, was great, so I thought that I would change some of the inherent misery of the 538 chosen topic and instead focus on an interesting aspect of standard 5x5 fantasy where game theory is of crucial importance. Deciding to target wins or Ks or ERA and WHIP while setting lineups. So this plays directly into what we were just talking about. We've talked a lot about the qualities of players, but up until maybe even this episode, we haven't talked a lot about the other essential component of head-to-head fantasy baseball, playing your opponents. Uh, Quick mea culpa here. In a lot of ways, I've been an easy mark this year because I'm running such a clear strategy on both sides of the ball. Um, I've been targeting speed and average on the hitting side, and I've been pretty clearly streaming and going for wins and Ks on the pitching side, which makes me a relatively easy target <laughs> to to oppose. I like this. Yeah, I mean, the hope is it's sort of like in in football when a coach does does up a play. He does up a play that every single time you do the play, you should be... Um, you should have it so that in the end you go for a touchdown. So like if the play works, you hit a touchdown unless for Mm -hmm. some reason you have like limited amount of time and you're like exactly trying to get a first down and a certain amount of yards and going out of bounds. It seems like the same thing is that like you need to set up and we're going to talk about this in the game theory that you need to set up a, a kind of approach 
that when done correctly, it still, you know, wins. <laughs> you don't you don't play for a tie, you play for a win. Now, I should step back and define game theory here. A game theorist, this is from the article, I thought this was a really great explanation. A game theorist identifies the essential components of whatever, poker or political standoffs or fantasy baseball, looks at what motivations drive each participant and how those motivations conflict or coordinate. Thus, you turn each game into a mathematical object that you then solve, and then you simply have your answer. <laughs> simply. You know, you know, simply, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so we already listed the, the wins and Ks in ERA WHIP, and then we talked a little bit about the speed side. Any other applications you think of off the top of your head for this in fantasy? Well, I think ad drops, of course, like mm-hmm. deciding. Yeah, I, yeah. I saw Corey Kniebel on the list of bestardos, and... Mm. I know that that was a big uh, a big push, figuring out how much um, in our league, how much fab to put in, and other leagues whether you should make that ad drop. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I haven't even touched fab discussion on this. I think that's that's somewhere down the road for us oh, yeah. to try and figure out the league economy and how to make that sort of a more general statement. Um, but if we go back to our example of wins and Ks and ERA WHIP, which we're going to kind of use to focus and flesh out this first example. Uh, I would say that most often you're primarily shooting for one or the other, the ratio stats or the counting stats, and hoping that you can maybe poach one of the other categories randomly, um, sort of closing your eyes and going for it. Um, However, how do you decide which strategy to go for? And more crucially, during the week, how do you revise that given all the tools that you have as more information comes Mm -hmm. in? Now, this is acutely on my mind right now because I'm thinking about playoff matchups. And this in, in playoff matchups, discerning your opponent's strategy can be just as important, if not more so, as playing your own game, so to speak. <laughs> so my streaming game. Oh, boy. Yeah, you don't want to be too much in your own head. You have to look at what's, what's happening across the, across the chessboard or checkers board in Mike's case. Now, in the 538 article, you're asked to choose a number in their game theory example. And the algorithm compares that number to one that another user has randomly chosen. And you've been given the same set of rules, much like in fantasy baseball, where we all have the same set of rules. In the premise of the article, basically it boils down to, if you pick the larger of the two numbers, you win $100. But you have an X percent chance to lose $10,000, where X is the smaller of the two numbers that you chose. So Eric, let's play this game. I have the number in my head. You go. F- you you have to trust me here, but you go ahead and tell me what you picked. Three. Oh, I picked ten. So we have a three percent chance of each having to burn ten thousand dollars. <laughs> well, uh, I would take I would take the under on that. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good one, though. I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, but let's go to a concrete fantasy scenario here. I'm going to give you uh, an actual matchup, and let's just actually try and game this out. So it's the last day of the period. You know, you're playing a head-to-head matchup. You have one starter going. Your opponent has one starter going. What you need to win, less than three earned runs, less than 1.0 mm-hmm. whip, wins you those categories. You're slightly behind in them right now. But you're up one win and four Ks. We oh, both have the God. options of pitchers going. Now... I roughly put in, so it's basically a split, right? You're basically saying, okay, well, I could stand pat, and what would essentially happen is we would totally split the categories. 
Or I could hope that I start my pitcher and you don't start your pitcher and then there's no consequence if my ear and whip go up, but I just solidify the win in the Ks. Yep. Or your opponent could be hoping the same thing. Okay, well, I hope that he doesn't start his guy so that I know I can win ear and whip and I'm going to put up some points on the, give myself a shot at stealing either wins or Ks on this. Or you could both start them and everything goes crazy. I can't tell you how many times I feel like I've ended up in this scenario this year alone. Stardom, stardom, stardom. <laughs> now, that's an interesting theory, right? So, concrete example, um, I did a quick analysis, and this is the type of thing that I've been doing all season when trying to pick these. Uh, Tywin Walker on my side versus Cole Hamels. So, you've got a decent sample by now. Tywin Walker started 24 games this year. He has a roughly 50% chance of 7-plus wins plus or whip. Uh, whip which is walks plus hits he's got a 40 percent chance of getting a win he's got a 50 percent chance of letting up two plus earned runs and a 50 percent chance of five plus k's not bad numbers these are all basic things but would you be confident starting tywin walker if you knew that you had to keep your whip under one Ooh, no <laughs> so so, so your stardom strategy sort of falls apart here. In this scenario, you're looking at this and thinking, I'm up one win in four Ks. I, I don't know if I can start him, but your opponent has Cole Hamels, mm -hmm. who has a 50% chance of putting up five Ks uh, and a 50% chance of getting a win, roughly, based on um, how he's done this year over 19 starts. Coincidentally, he also has a 50% chance of giving up eight walks plus hits and a 50% chance of giving up three earned runs. So he is clearly worse on that side. So it's really tough to tell what to do. In this scenario, I'm pretending like we have Tywin Walker. What do we do? Should we start him? How do you even think through this? Jeez, that is really hard. I mean, this goes to my, this goes to the standard deviation kind of piece hmm. of it might just blow up because i like to think about this a little bit more in whole numbers rather than probability what is the chance that Ty that tywin walker uh does not perform like his namesake <laughs> i mean i gave you the 50th percentile markers on yep, here to yeah, say to you know show. basically if he goes if he goes over the 50th percentile marker you're you're stuck like you're not going to win those categories yeah. so you got like a basically a 50 50 shot on that but it this is where it really turns into the game theory because it's a 50-50 shot if your opponent doesn't even start their guy. Right. But if your opponent starts their guy, it completely it changes, changes the aspect. Yeah. And I think in this situation, it's pretty clear that the other person is going to start their pitcher. That's right. I agree. So then in that case, then you need to. You need to hope that... Because then, then you have like... Yeah, then you have that secondary like blow up potential versus blow up potential which negates some of the blow up potential <laughs> <laughs> well said <laughs> i think i followed so it it isn't it's an interesting thing and this idea of game theory can really come at this and you you know ran through some advanced calculations in your head without even realizing yep. it right and looked at oh well he's going to start cole hamels almost certainly mm -hmm. And if he starts Cole Hamels, then game theoretically, it's in my best interest to start Tywin Walker. The same sort of thoughts that went through our head when we were playing the zero to a hundred game before. So this is a that was a first, you know, very first look. I had a couple other, I had one other piece of situational awareness here to talk about, and then I have a couple takeaways. Um, situational awareness is in terms of thinking about your opponent, one thing that I always like to think of is do they need a big weekly win as opposed to 
can they just go with standing pat? So in part, this has to do, you know, in the playoffs, it's a really concrete scenario where, okay, I need this category to win, so I'm more likely to take a big chance. Um, you know, I'm just going to leave it all on the field, so to speak, yeah. versus during the regular season where you're like, well, maybe I should just lock down the things that I have now and hope for better luck in the next week. So I would say that you got to keep track of this because people's desired outcomes are going to change over the course of the season. Yeah, and I think that the, this is really important and something that we should have probably talked about four weeks ago as people are coming yeah. down the stretch because this is where a lot of teams go from fighting for that six playoff seed to being close to last in their league or shooting up to like third. Mm-hmm. And you, if you're a team that's like just nice and steady netty, like just <laughs> just grab the wins that you need to grab, go for that six four win, and just you know let the other person punch themselves out, and potentially they could lose big. Like you don't if you're you know if you're ahead, you don't have to like beat every opponent into the ground. The the opposite holds true. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, that's a that's a big piece of game theory that we probably should have, like you said, should have thought about earlier in the season, should have brought up and, and discussed earlier in the season. I'm going to say uh, probably would have actually materially helped my team this year down the stretch to think about what seed I desperately needed to get and how to optimize my strategy to for that. To get second rather than trying to win a couple of extra extra points yeah, against that's teams exactly that you need right. to. Yeah. That's right. So something something to think about. Some food for thought. I'm just saying, you know, again, I listed this as game theory primer, and I agree with that. All right. You want to wrap this sucker up? Let's go for it. Um, I'm just going to, you know, just briefly introduce this first topic. I uh, wanted to talk about our respective NFL teams, but oh I'm going to go ahead and just redact talking about your team for your personal sanity and just, let's just pretend like... Like we're headed right to week two. All right. Well, you don't have to be that coy <laughs> about it there, buddy. Okay, the Giants The Giants did not have a great outing. They did not show up for week one. Yep. What about your Vikings? How are we doing here? I swore. Was it, was it last week that I was that I was shitting on the Vikings pretty hard mm-hmm. um, yep. and swore that they were going to be garbage? I don't know, man. I just saw the final score week one. I think we are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, boy. I'm pretty oh, wow. sure. It's that fast i'm pretty sure we got this sam bradford he was great they got a garbage time touchdown brought it a little bit closer other than that nah we're good we're great dalvin cook's on my fantasy team we're going all the way stefan Diggs is for real randy moss is back on the team did you see this he's back with the team now well he's not he's not playing obviously but he's affiliated with the team so uh my randy moss jersey from the mid 90s is more relevant than ever all right, well, football is back, which means that a lot of people are transitioning over to fantasy football. So don't forget about fantasy baseball and the fact that you can probably take a couple of extra wins from people while they're while they're snooping on their fantasy football leagues. Absolutely. All right, you want to get over to the review session? I mean... Is this going to be anything but a love this fest? This is going to be a love fest, but I have something that I really have to that I want to talk to you about. All right, review session topic: BLTs. But here's my idea. 
next to the Everything But Medium Roast Cafe, we have a restaurant called BLT, which is just every option for making a BLT. That's it. So, like, do you want hickory smoked bacon, applewood smoked bacon, thick bacon, thin bacon? Do you want pepper bacon, jalapeno bacon? Your tomatoes. Do you want heirloom tomatoes, green tomatoes, vine-ripe tomatoes? I hear where you're going with this, and I love it. I'm wondering, is this a BLT buffet scenario, or do you order and it's made exquisitely and brought to you? This is a Chipotle-style restaurant. Are you a lightly toasted kind of guy? No, heavy. As heavy as possible. Oh my gosh, why would you... <laughs> you just want to ruin this sandwich. <laughs> give me give me a good, thick-cut wheat toast, just like burned, like solid burned. Like it needs to just crunch. Like half of it has to just fall apart when you try and slice through diagonally, mind you. Never slice your BLT anyway but diagonally. You get that in there. Yes. Come on, man. And I assume iceberg lettuce. Are you, are you going to have some? Oh, oh, n- yeah. Nothing fancy. <laughs> Absolutely. This restaurant's really going to solve a lot of longstanding problems. And what's also great is that this can be like our matrix style. We'll, that That is what the menu will be. We'll just be a matrix, a four by four oh, matrix. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ooh, five by five. I can only, there are more and more options that I can think about. I actually thought about the BLTs when I did. We did uh, tomatoes from the garden and arugula from the garden on bacon. Oh my. Oh my. All right. Well, now that I'm salivating, thinking about this, <laughs> time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. Patent pending on that BLT restaurant, so don't even try. <laughs> and then all I've got left is uh, worst luck to you, buddy. Worst luck to you, too.